Hi and welcome to the Sobristers podcast. We are joined tonight by Treen, a member of Sobristers who I'm sure lots of you are familiar with. She has been a very active and supportive, helpful and quite inspirational member of Sobristers for uh, a number of years and she's joining us tonight to talk about mindfulness and meditation and how that can help on the sober journey. So welcome Treen. Thank you. Thank you for joining us um, in the Soberistas podcast. So I'm um, just start off with a little bit of background and find out about your sober journey. Why did you stop drinking and how long have you been sober for? Uh, I've been sober for six years next month. Um, I, I knew I needed to stop drinking for a long time before I did. But what I, what I knew was that I had to actually stop. There wasn't any, there was never any idea that I could moderate I knew I couldn't um so I kind of procrastinated for quite a long time about that because I I didn't want to stop I didn't imagine I couldn't imagine a life without drinking um I, I thought of it as a life as unhappily ever after um but then it came to a point where actually I was hating it I, I was hating picking up the bottle and pouring the drink it was no, it felt like something I just had to do. It didn't feel like something I was choosing to do anymore. Um, and so that, that became intolerable. And then we had some visitors staying with us. My brother was here with his wife and her daughter from Thailand. And they are Buddhists, they don't drink. And I was very self-conscious about my drinking, the quantity and the time I started. And, um, and the more self-conscious I was about it, the more I think I was drinking. And I, they were so serene. <laughs> they were kind of wafting around the house, happy and smiling. And um, you would hear them, they would go upstairs early in the evening because they, we had the language difficulty. And, they would go upstairs early in the evening and um, and I'd be laughing away up there. And I was like, why? I mean, how? <laughs> you know, no juice. <laughs> and I'd, you know, I'd like, they were just watching television on their iPads and things. Um, and that, so that kind of made me decide, yeah, that made me decide that, well, I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to give it a real go and make it an adventure into a, a new, a new way of life. Um, and so that was it. I, I turned around to John and said, I'm, I'm stopping drinking at the weekend when the visitors have gone. I didn't think I could do it while I had visitors. <laughs> so really then, Buddhism, mindfulness meditation, was not just part of your journey to, of recovery, but actually one of the reasons you stopped in the first place. I didn't realize that at the time. Uh, later on, when I met more people who were who were uh, meditating and who were engaged in mindfulness, I realized that that calmness, that peacefulness and serenity that I experienced with these women was was there for the taking. It was available. Yeah. So, at what stage was that in your recovery from alcohol? Um, issues or alcohol dependency then how far along that road was it when you first started practicing mindfulness and meditation I, I succumbed to it 
<laughs> about 10 months in, I think. Um, everybody that I was meeting on Soberistas seemed to me to be talking about running and uh, walking and hiking. And um, if you remember, Beaker did the Great Wall of China. Or <laughs> all these sort of people doing amazing things that at the time I was in too much pain to do. So um, that was that prompted me to actually go and investigate why I was in pain and why I was having difficulty. And I was diagnosed with psoriatic arthritis. Um, and that's taken a long time to sort of get to the point where I, it's under control now and I can actually walk. I can actually go for walks and things now. But at the time, that wasn't an option. But I, I didn't want to just not be drinking. I kept hearing the term dry, dry drunk. Drink, yeah, dry drunk. Yeah, dry drunk. <laughs> and thinking, well, that's not what I want to be. This is supposed to be an adventure. Um, and I want it to be an adventure. And so other people were talking about mindfulness and meditation. And um, I'm a student. I'm a perennial student. I have to read up on things. I have to know more about it and dig deeper. And so I started reading. And um, there was the 21-day Deepak. Chopra, Oprah Winfrey meditation experience and well, that might as well give that a go. Other people were doing it um, and it was so peaceful and so calming that I needed to take that further. I needed to move on from that. And there was a mindfulness course that you could do with Future Learn. You know Future Learn? Um, they're based in Australia um, and they're free. Their courses are free. And I did this mindfulness course with them. Um, and it kind of grew and grew from there. Really. And what do you, because I, I meditate and practice mindfulness and have done for a long time since stopping drinking, funnily enough. And, and I'm very convinced that the two things were kind of meant to be, you know, sobriety and mindfulness are just a perfect fit. If you practice mindfulness, I'd challenge you to ever want to drink because if you're living in the moment and you're not attaching to your fears and thoughts, emotions, you generally don't want to drink. Is that your experience? Is that why it helps? I mean, you mentioned the peace, the calm that it brings about. Are there any other things that you think specifically it helps with in terms of not drinking alcohol? I think that the kind of the mechanism is, um, is that it, it stops the constant thinking and, and mind chatter that goes on. And I was full of that. I was full of judgment, complaint, criticism. Um, I saw ulterior motives in everybody and everything around me. And although when I came to Soberistas, I realized, no, all these people can't, they're, they're lovely people. They're, <laughs> they're not, they don't have ulterior motives. <laughs> you know? But but that's where I was at in, in my own head. My head was full of that conditioned thinking, you know, negative conditioned thinking. And I think that the, the mechanism was that that stopped, that I was able to become aware that I was doing that, that it was just as easy to tell somebody that something wasn't quite right. Like, say, in a restaurant, Eckhart Tolle gives the experience, gives the um, example of, my soup is cold, and you you don't call. You can call the waiter up and say, "Give me bloody cold soup." Who, who 
<laughs> who are you? Why did you give me this cold soup? And you, all you've got to do is say, excuse me, the soup's a bit cold. Wonder would you mind shoving it in the microwave for a minute? <laughs> you know? And and I was kind of learning that that you know, I could stop all that. I could stop all that negative mind chatter and stuff going on. And I'm with you 100%. I, you can't be there and then drink. You, once you sort of reach a, a, a position where you're comfortable in your own skin and comfortable in your own head, then there's no need to drink anyway. There's no... No. And um, it's very... Sorry, go on. Attraction in it. Yeah, and it's... I mean, I've I found, I don't know if you've had this, but that it's almost like an addiction of wanting to master your own mind more and more you know once you realize how much control you've got over your own thoughts and mind that's quite compelling to me to continue on that journey and alcohol gets in the way of that you can't be objective about your thoughts when you're drinking or if you even if you're hung over or even if you're on kind of three or four days after drinking and you're starting to think about Friday night when you can have another drink you're always in another place and you're never really thinking objectively about your thoughts you I hope your mind is hijacked isn't it by alcohol yeah it's a, such a compulsion you, you actually really do feel like you haven't got any choice in the matter and suddenly the, the world opens up to you I've, I've sort of made a few little jotted a few notes as well as that vast amount of time available like and I used to wonder what I would do and um and that was suggesting that I was actually doing something I wasn't doing anything but picking up the glass and drinking and filling it up again and drinking again and but suddenly there was all this sort of time available and I don't know if you found this but I, I discovered that crap tv was really crap about wine <laughs> <laughs> it was the pits so um yeah there was a there, there, there needs there needed to be something different there needed to be something new in in life to replace all that all that compulsion with, with the drink and constantly thinking about it thinking about drinking preparing to drink, making sure you had enough to drink, uh, refusing um, invitations to go places because you knew there wasn't going to be enough. There was, you know, all, all of those kind of things. And so it had to be a, a, a big change. And then it's been a really gradual change. Like it doesn't, it's not an overnight sort of, oh my goodness, here I am now. But I suddenly find myself in a situation and think, gosh, three years ago, five years ago, I would have gone ape if that happened to me, you know. And here I am, I'm, I'm coping with it. You know? Yeah, I was talking about that yesterday with somebody actually had a tire blowout a couple of weeks ago on a very, very dangerous, dark road late at night on my own. Well, with my nine year old, two dogs. But no man <laughs> or anybody else who was going to help with a blown tire because I don't know what I'm doing. And I had exactly that experience a few years ago and completely lost it. Phoned my boyfriend at the time, screaming and shouting, although he was at work two hours drive away, could do nothing about it. You know, what are you going to do about it? I've got a blown tire completely, you know. And how I was two weeks ago was kind of slightly panicked and then quite instantly, okay. 
nobody else can sort this out except you so what are you going to do about it and it is that exact thing that you said it's the practice of mindfulness self-awareness trusting yourself getting to know yourself and, and building that emotional resilience and it you change hugely don't you when you practice that every day over yeah, different person. Yeah. totally different person totally different coping strategies but it was always there um you know it, it just needed bringing back to life or or uh, regenerating or something it was like i gave up religion i i had i grew up um, in a catholic background and I, I as an early teenager no that just wasn't working for me anymore um but i realized after i stopped drinking that i still had a spiritual side to me and it didn't have to be attached to any formal religion you know i, I didn't have to have a religion um just a um a spiritual outlook more of an appreciation for the world more an appreciation for beauty definitely beauty the beauty of nature and the beauty of the world around us that i really you know well i slept through most of the daytimes let's be honest and you know um missed a lot of beautiful summer days when i could have been actually out there enjoying it and um, and that that's all part of the spirituality is you know the ability to to look at at a meadow and and see the beauty in us and whatever yeah that's all all it's another part of it's another very kind of um close relationship this the, the symbiotic relationship i suppose of mindfulness and sobriety isn't it that when you stop drinking you do you suddenly notice things you, you notice flowers and sunrise and beautiful trees and just silence or a trickling stream as you're walking along or whatever when you hung over and thinking about alcohol all the time you don't really appreciate things and mindfulness teaches you to appreciate those things as well so it's kind of a double a double whammy isn't it it's a double appreciation of those things when you stop drinking and you practice mindfulness and you're really noticing those things it's quite it really does feel like you've had blinkers taken off it, it, it was a bit unsettling for me to begin oh. with because i was sort of uh, things that i would have just totally dismissed i was smiling all over my face <laughs> things and things people said nice things and i was like in the past i would have gone oh yeah right you know <laughs> get a load of that yeah what is that it's a strange change that happens it's very subtle and gradual isn't it but then it it's really really big and significant one day yeah 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 so if somebody listening to this podcast is in the early stages of sobriety and if they've kind of heard meditation and mindfulness being sort of spoken about on soberistas written about on soberistas how would you advise that person to get started with a practice um i started with headspace there are various i mean lots of people use the calm app and i think the insight timer as well um i started off with the free 10-day trial on um headspace um and that that just got me started and got me to realize, oh, this, there's nothing to this. This is not, I don't have to actually know stuff to do this. You know, it's, um, you, you just do it. You just follow the guidance and, and go ahead with it. Um, and then um, find the mindfulness practice like, like guided meditations with Tara Brach. 
um, how she was introduced to us on Sobristas. Um, and of course, you know, local Buddhist centers, an awful lot of stuff is online now that wasn't when I started um, because of the, of the pandemic. A lot of stuff has had to go online. And so the London Buddhist Center, for example, does meditations online through Zoom and you can join in a group of people meditating. Um, but that's further down the road. Early on, you're, you're sort of looking to make yourself comfortable with meditating. Um, and so the things like the apps are probably a great, a great starting point. Definitely the Future Learn Mindfulness course. I've gone further than that now and done Mindfulness for Stress Reduction course um, that I had paid for, but um, that's just to deepen my practice, um, expand it. But um, the, the free one with Future Learn, futurelearn.org maybe, um, that was very useful and you could do it in your own time, whatever you liked. It's all, everything's online, everything's available. I know it's really, you know, that's a good point, I think, that you made about it. You don't have to be good at it. You don't have to know anything. You don't have to have any special skills. It really is extremely simple, but really profound in its impact, isn't it? But, but I think, you know, a lot of people perhaps are, are a bit put off by the thought of, I can't do it. I'm got a monkey mind jumping around I'm never going to be able to empty my head of thoughts realizing that nobody can empty their head of thoughts you're always going to have thoughts everybody's the same we're just it's a practice isn't it you have yeah. to just yeah. show up every day give it a few minutes and it will get easier and you will start to notice the benefits after a few few months I think you'll notice big benefits if you do it every day so I, I was thinking that I might do some spoken um blogs myself on Sobristas um, around meditation and around mindfulness, um, maybe with little short guided meditations from time to time, if people want that, if they, if they would find that useful. I think that's a great um, idea and you could specifically make them about sobriety or relating to sobriety, yeah. supporting sobriety. Yeah give it an extra dimension wouldn't it that would be really and there are others who have um, gone the same route and who have off would offer to come along you know wouldn't always be me there are other yeah. people who would be able to contribute can you if you don't and thank you for that we will follow up on that definitely but um can you if you are a bit averse or you're just not keen on the whole idea of meditation do you think you can obtain the same kind of inner peace, self-awareness, emotional resilience when you stop drinking, if you don't practice some kind of mindfulness? Can you get that elsewhere? Or do you think it's kind of the only route to that? Sort uh, of? I, I mean, I think that people got an awful lot from exercise. That was just wasn't a, a, an option for me at the time. Um, and there's a lot of things, like I think that running is probably meditative. I, I definitely find it meditative it yeah. just is you you it, anything actually a bit like um like crocheting or knitting or jigsaws or it's just that minimum amount of yeah. brain power but not too much is a bit meditative isn't it so, yeah. so those kinds of activities adult coloring another one yeah, I know oh, definitely um bird watching and yeah and, you know that that's sort of something and nature watching in general just 
being involved in nature, going for long walks. Um, yeah. yeah. So if somebody's yeah. somebody's got a bit of a, you know, they're a bit averse to, to practicing it in that kind of very, you know, under that that umbrella term of mindfulness, they can do different activities, can't they, and get similar benefits, maybe not go as far with it as, as you have or some other people have, but definitely get some benefits from those kinds of activities. And also a lot of us didn't get there straight away. You know, you, you might recall the sort of famous um, Justin Bieber sort of um, mindfulness. <laughs> Cop, Cop used to find that she couldn't meditate without thinking about Justin Bieber. <laughs> she won't mind me saying that. <laughs> but um, but you know, she meditates now. And, uh, <laughs> Has she moved on from Justin Bieber? Not her into shape on that one. <laughs> but and yeah, I think she moved on from Justin Bieber. <laughs> I wonder who she thinks of these days. <laughs> interesting. Also, there's um the, the one of the things that is, is repeated over and over and over again is there's no need to judge yourself. It's not a test, it's not an exam. There isn't a sort of level of, oh, I've become a perfect meditator. You don't. <laughs> um, it's not possible. You know, Pema Chodron, who has meditated for 24 hours at a time, says that she suddenly realized in the last half, half hour, that, oh, I'm supposed to be meditating. <laughs> you know, <laughs> because your mind does wander. And, and be kind to yourself. You know, your mind wanders, acknowledge that. In fact, yeah. sometimes it's useful to sort of know where it is your mind has gone. Yeah, and um, finally, finally that, that's a very good a bit that we didn't talk about there is the self-compassion, isn't it, which is really integral to this whole yeah. mindfulness journey and sobriety journey. That yeah. Often when people stop drinking, they have absolutely no self-compassion. Mindfulness really, really teaches you to be self-compassionate, doesn't it? Like I said, there was a, for a couple of years before I stopped, I knew I had to stop. Well, I beat myself up so badly for those couple of years. I, I hated myself so much. The self-loathing was, so it's to, to come from there to a position of looking to be compassionate towards yourself is a big leap. It's a jump. It's you a know, huge and, leap. And it, yeah. I think it's unimaginable for a lot of people when they're first yeah. drinking. They're yeah. so full of shame and self-loathing that it's quite unimaginable to be able to think about getting to a point where you like yourself and you're kind to yourself and you're kind of your own best friend. That seems yeah. to be... And then love yourself, for goodness yeah, sake. Yeah, and then love yourself <laughs> without... Yeah, I mean... You're it, not even allowed to say that. You know? No, but it's a very... I mean, it's, it's a really important part of it and it's so important for staying sober. When you speak to yourself kindly and you recognise your own self-worth, you really don't want to destroy yourself with booze. No. Somebody suggested the other day, and I can't remember who it was, but I think it might have been Patchouli Pepper, um, about looking at a photograph of yourself as a child and asking yourself, would you pour alcohol into that child? Would you poison that child? And I found a photograph. And, and of course, now you've, you've held your grandson. Um, and no, <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> No, happy people don't don't want to destroy themselves with booze. It's, and people who have who are self-compassionate don't want to destroy themselves with booze. Yeah. So there are very, very strong and good reasons for developing, creating, maintaining a mindfulness practice if you want to stay sober, I think is the 
conclusion of this conversation and I'm, I'm absolutely with you on that it's uh, it's been a really important part of my journey of the last 10 years so thank you very much for explaining how important and and how it's helped you along the way as well and thank you for your offer of of sharing that with Sobristas and we will definitely follow you up on that thanks very much for having me it's been a pleasure it's been really good to talk to you and I hope you have a very calm and peaceful Evening. Thank you, you too. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Sean, for, for doing the technical stuff that makes this happen. <laughs> we should namaste, shouldn't we, at the end of this one? Namaste. 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 namaste.